0: Welcome to the second series of the Wellbeing Economy podcast. Over the next few episodes, we'll be discussing the future of education and how a better built learning environment can improve the wellbeing of pupils, students, teachers, and support staff. My name's Catherine Seaton and I'm the concept developer of education and healthcare at SAS International. Joining me today are Stephen Smith partner at Right and Right Architects, and Raf Orlovsky, Director of Acoustics at Rambol UK and author of the new book, Acoustics in Architectural Design. Child safety has been the highest priority for school suppliers and designers for decades. Since the pandemic, however, more focus has been put on class sizes, fresh air, the use and design of communal spaces, and most importantly, mental health. Stephen, what changes have you seen recently and which ones are here to stay?
1: Well, obviously the the pandemic has had a fundamental impact on all of us. And alongside all of the awful things that have happened, there are some positives we can take, particularly from a designer's perspective, particularly picking up on some of those points on your introduction there, that I think we've all become a lot more conscious of our shared well-being and what that means for the learning environment of schools is a trend that's here to stay that we think holistically about well-being. And I think trends that are here to stay are around creating quality in the learning environment and sustainability. And things we've been engaged with, particularly across different types of educational uh, settings, is the idea of greening the campus, creating rooms that are breathable and rooms that have a good outlook, that have a good connection to to natural light and views.
0: Raf, have you seen many changes in terms of of design in schools?
2: If you look at the history of acoustics in schools, there were a lot of guidelines about um, designing schools for good acoustics, but they were all just guidelines. So although some architects paid heed to them, not all did so there's quite a variation in acoustic quality in schools until a new document was published in 2003 which was called building bulletin 93 acoustic design of schools a guidance document and why this document is so important is because it's linked to the building regulations So the acoustic requirements in that document became mandatory. And that caused a huge seismic change in the acoustic design of schools. And I'm sure Stephen is familiar with BB93 because uh, every architect who who is involved in school buildings will be familiar with it. And what that's done is that every uh, new school building after 2003 had to achieve certain acoustic standards. They were considered to be minimum acoustic standards, so they weren't hugely demanding, but they're actually good acoustic standards. So that caused this huge sea change in acoustics of schools. And whereas previously school designers may have thought that was a kind of optional thing to have acoustic quality in schools and it was a sort of add-on costly thing, it had become mandatory. And so this has improved the acoustics of schools throughout the UK massively. There was one or two loopholes in the first document um, and then the document was revised and published in 2015. So the new document required all refurbishment in schools to also meet certain standards. So that means that all new schools and refurbished schools have to meet these standards. So it's really provided all school children with acoustic quality in schools, which is good, enables teachers and pupils to hear themselves. And effectively, it's it's a kind of improves well-being. One thing about COVID is that there will probably, and Stephen might want to comment on this, be a requirement to increase ventilation levels. Yeah, And if you increase ventilation levels, if a classroom is naturally ventilated, that means that the openings to let in and let out the air are going to be larger. So if a school is in a relatively noisy area, it might start exceeding the limits for noise coming into the classroom because of the larger openings. So this might actually change the regulations or it might change the way schools are ventilated. And that's to be seen, but the increase in ventilation, I think, seems to be an important requirement that's going to probably become mandatory.
1: I completely agree, Ralph, and not just in the education sector. I think making buildings inherently more breathable Is the trend that's going to come out of COVID that as designers, we're all going to be very conscious of.
0: Over the last 10 years, the number of students with special educational needs and disabilities has more than tripled in mainstream schools. How do we accommodate the varied needs of this new school cohort and aid their learning?
1: I think the the thing in your question there that's most important is integration and understanding actually of the needs. And the design of the environment and the SEN schools that we've worked on and how they can be integrated into mainstream school environment as well actually does have a big factor from acoustic design. If we get the acoustics of a space right, then the ability for students to de-stress and calm from being in a quiet environment is absolutely fundamental to their learning. And there is a connection as well to the breathability we were just talking about, the ability to get air through a space is so, so important to SEN students. Not just what we all understand that if we get fresh air, we can concentrate more, but the fact that if it's breathable, the building, and we're using passive means to bring air through, we've got a much, much, much lower demand for mechanical ventilation. And in an SEN environment, having something mechanical that could be noisy, as well as not being great for your carbon footprint, could be very distracting for an SEN student. So creating the right spatial environment, and I'm thinking here, particularly in terms of the actual rooms themselves, is incredibly important. And married to that, when we've actually been lucky enough to design some new build SEN schools, then outside of the classroom, making the most of outdoor space, And this idea of greening the campus is so, so important for SEN students because it's completely understood that an SEN student won't have the length of attention span that you might expect. So the ability for them to be able to not be in a completely hermetic environment, but have a good outlook and horizon through windows and connection to outdoor space is part of their learning development. They do need to be able, in the course of a lesson, to be able to switch off, actually and then come back into a space of concentration. So having a breathable space with excellent daylight is so, so fundamental, particularly in SEM, but for any student, to be honest.
0: Along similar lines, Raf, in your recent book, you talk about not only acoustic control in schools, but the varied sound control requirements of each room and space. And uh, I know in recent Ofsted reports that having quiet spaces for children with special educational needs has become a higher priority. Can you tell us a bit more about accommodating and controlling sound for different users within the space?
2: For hearing impaired students and SEN students, there's a separate section in the regulations in, in Building Bulletin 93 with rather more stringent acoustic requirements. So the noise levels from outside need to be lower. So they need to be better controlled, which means to a certain extent the constructions have to be more robust. Doors have to provide better sound insulation. But also the acoustics of the room itself needs to be calmer than in a standard classroom. And that involves introducing more acoustic absorbing materials to lower what we call the reverberation which results in a calmer atmosphere less noisy and probably the ability of these students to hear more clearly in this environment is enhanced so they are specially treated both in design and construction
0: i'm going to expand actually on that a little more there are so many standards and targets in this sector We've got the 17 United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, Ofsted Requirements, Building Regulations. RAF, where where do you start and do the regulations, do the standards go far enough, in your opinion?
2: Well, the fundamental standard in designing the acoustics of schools is Building Bulletin 93, which is linked to the building regulations. That's where all designers start and the design has to follow a trajectory that will meet the standards in Building Bulletin 93. And they have to meet it because when the school is complete, the classrooms will all be tested. And if they don't comply with the regulations, they will have to do remedial measures. So that's the fundamental document. It's a document that's unique to the UK and Other countries are quite interested in following suit, but in a way, the UK is leading the field in mandatory regulations for acoustics in schools, and that's been very, very useful and successful.
0: Stephen, I'm quite certain that you have a lot of regulations and standards (laughs) to know and understand. Are there too many? Are there not enough? How do you feel about the way that they shape our schools?
1: Yeah, I, I think it's about prioritizing the main ones that you want to use. Our role when we're lead design and working with the design team is to take a broader look at things. And the UN Sustainability Goals we found in the last couple of years have been a wonderful design tool because they put the targets and standards in very broad, legible terms. And I think starting from a conceptual framework that anybody, whether they're an adult or a child, can understand the conceptual basis, whether it's about a room that can breathe, everyone can understand that, the quality of daylight. And I think what's wonderful about doing a workshop, for instance, with a client group around the UN sustainability goals is you get a very broad perspective and it could come down to something as simple as water usage in a school. That's covered very well in the UN sustainability goals. And then you can work that through the design into the more kind of onerous or more technical standards. And that might manifest itself and being allied to some learning goals, such as having smart meters within the school and seeing how water usage is being monitored on a daily basis. And there's a real feel-good factor of taking it from the conceptual basis through all the regulations, as onerous as they should be. And I always think as a designer, having those constraints, it's not about making you work harder. It's about an understanding that following those guidelines will get you to a better solution in the end, whether it's an acoustic regulation or a building regs constraint. I think that that I'm on the side of them being there for good reason, (laughs) if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I do completely agree. I keep hearing and seeing the word future-proofing when new buildings and developments are announced. How do we build schools with both the user and the environment in mind, Stephen?
1: well let's let's take the context that that Ralph introduced earlier that you know the acoustic regulations had to be adapted to existing buildings as well so for future proofing it's very hard to get to zero carbon for instance on an existing building but what you can do is when you are working through a design is call what, what might be a trajectory towards zero carbon so future proofing in that context would mean setting some short term goals which might be some of the quick wins we were discussing earlier, like starting to green your campus or to look at smart metering, really quick, tangible things that make quite big impact. But then you might start setting longer term goals in your future proofing plan. So anything you do in the project you're doing doesn't preclude them further down the line. And that might be something like in a school setting, like a big move, like taking the school kitchen off running on gas to electric, instantly you've improved your carbon footprint. And also just thinking very, very carefully that we make the best use of the spaces that we have. So with an existing building, the idea of retrofit, you're going to make big, big gains quicker by improving your existing shell of the spaces that you have by making those better energy performing before you start adding on. So the retrofit idea within architecture and design is that we take what we have and make it better. And then the future-proofing move then is how do you extend and how do you work with that? And that's a much, much more holistic way of us thinking about sustainability and will be much more sustainable in the future.
0: Raph, one of the, I would say, conflicting design challenges that I assume you might have is that we want to have these clean, wipeable surfaces as well as, as you mentioned before, better ventilation as a consequence of of the pandemic. Do these pose significant concerns for acoustics in classroom spaces? And how do we get a balance of perhaps of those softer materials that you mentioned or even more sustainable materials in classrooms?
2: Well, materials is the key here and it may require the development of new materials or new forms of materials so for example, there are acoustic materials that you can install in kitchens to keep noise levels down that are wipeable. Now they're probably not in general use in schools where they use softer materials, but if that becomes a requirement that you know everything must be wipeable, then the materials used in classrooms will have to change. But that change Has already happened to some extent, but it may need to be accelerated. Also, the materials that are used in soft acoustic panels, one of the most common materials is mineral wool, the sort of material you put in your loft for loft insulation, may not be sustainable in the future. So, we may have to look for alternative porous materials that will do the same job. And there are a number of examples where acoustic materials are adapted to suit the requirements. So for example, in sports halls, when the regulations came in, it was necessary to install acoustically absorbing materials, but that conflicted with the requirement of being able to kick balls against them and the balls to bounce back in an expected way. So materials had to be developed that were both acoustically absorbent and robust. So the sustainability and future proofing it will develop as the requirements develop
0: so Stephen how is the use of school space changing how is it affecting the design of a, of a campus or, or even a group of school buildings
1: we need to think of wellbeing and schools not just as places of learning only but also as social spaces For everyone who interacts with the school, whether they're there as a teacher or a student or the community coming into use facilities, particularly in the SEN environment, providing spaces within the school and having care for them, such as a small library, can be incredibly important for SEN as a nurturing space. And the other social space we should think of, I think, particularly post-COVID, is garden spaces. Schools have typically gone down the route of tarmac and having lots of play space. But I think there's definitely been a trend over the last five years, and hopefully it'll accelerate, that the use of green space within the school campus as restorative space, as spaces where maybe the more introvert students can go and find spaces for themselves or to have a chat with their teacher. I think there's just become a lot more knowledge of the benefit of having those spaces, just through COVID not being able to interact, having those spaces where maybe not typically you associate with the school are going to be so, so important.
0: I completely agree. I think public spaces and, and spaces for the community are key to not just schools but all new developments, uh, mixed-use developments particularly. RAF, how do you control sound in those spaces and how does sound and noise affect the mental health of the building users?
2: Well, I think wellbeing is an issue that's moved up right up to the top of the agenda in schools now. and there are now special senior people in schools looking after well-being because after covid there's a lot more need for enhancing well-being because i think it's dropped a bit or or even more than a bit during the covid so looking after well-being is now quite a high priority and anything that will improve well-being is certainly going to be pursued And one of the factors is acoustics, keeping spaces calm, keeping spaces separate so one doesn't disturb another and so on is part of the whole story. But, you know, there are many parts to this story and anything that helps well-being is an important thing to pursue.
1: He's a radical thought, Ralph. I don't know if you've encountered this, but perhaps clients have become better clients during COVID because we've become so much more attuned to certain things that maybe. In the past, if it was a minimum standard, rather than a best standard, certain aspects like landscaping or like acoustics might have dropped out of the priority list. And I think people understanding the benefits of them mean they're more likely to become embedded in the architecture and and the engineering of spaces. We're certainly finding it with clients now that they're much more responsive to that discussion as well, and we'll probe and we'll ask for more, and that asking and that dialogue will lead inevitably to some great design developments and innovation which is what we need to hit these sustainability targets we're talking about.
2: Yeah I agree I think clients have become more sensitive to the issues you've just mentioned which is very welcome of course.
1: Ralph, I'm going off to uh, order your book now it sounds really good.
2: (laughs) All right yeah well it's it's very good value for money you know it's only 20 (laughs) quid and um, you know every good architect should have one. We'll get one for the office.
0: Stephen, Raf, thank you very much for joining us on this podcast.
1: Thank you. Thanks. You're welcome.
0: This podcast was brought to you by SAS International. Stay tuned for episode two, where we'll be discussing our vision for technology investment, sustainability, and improving learner concentration in schools.